life's as me, far as I be knowin'. Haven't time to slack around in comfort all the year. So when we get a little time before our boat gets going, we head on down to the library, and this is what we hear. Come on and look all around, there's plenty for to see. Make your own self right upon my love, the library. Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. I'm Kari Peterson. Last week, we had a discussion with Homer Sarber about his new book, Achieving Buoyancy with the Alaska Marine Highway System. And this week, we're going to finish our conversation with Mr. Sarber, where I get to ask him how he thinks we could achieve buoyancy today with the Alaska Marine Highway System. Mr. Sarber worked for the state of Alaska for the highway system for 35 years. He began working in 1964, a year after the ferry came into service, and he retired in 1999. So what are your thoughts about the current state of the Alaska Marine Highway System? I know it's... um, you talk about the support, you know, straight through from the crew to the governor. Uh, basically, the answer is sad. It's yeah. sad about what's going on with the ferry system. I know these last two years, but uh, 
taking the uh, summer of 2019, uh, they were operating the Matanuska and the Kennecott and the Columbia uh, in 2019. And uh, uh, the Matanuska was uh, making two trips a week out of Prince Rupert and the uh, Columbia and uh, Matanuska. But when COVID came in in 2020, and this year as well, yeah. uh, that changed everything. I don't know exactly uh, what the, uh, the problem is with Prince Rupert. Maybe it's simply Canada's concern oh, about COVID. I, I think, know. well, the the Canadian border just opened back up mm. for people to be able to go to Canada. But I know right now the border is still closed that Canadians cannot come back across the border into mm-hmm. America. Like America has the border closed, not Canada at this point. I see. Um, yeah. I imagine it will change at some point. I hope so. I know some people. um, Some people have gone to Canada and come back, Mm -hmm. but um, not just anybody can do it. No, they need to show a uh, significant reason, I guess, for travel. uh, Yeah. To get through the border. Yeah. But uh, anyway. service out of Prince Rupert needs to resume at some point, I yeah. hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess I'm just, I'm curious, and this is me personally, the boats, do you have an opinion about the boats, about the, um, what's the name of the fast ferry? Oh, uh, <laughs> Fairweather was one of them. Yes. Um, I know, I guess after reading your book, I was just thinking about the boats and thinking about how how you had, how all the employees and had really worked to figure out what works mm-hmm. um, for getting around Southeast and, mm-hmm. and getting into ports in a timely manner and Mm-hmm. And being able to stay on schedule and make a schedule, and um, and I know there's always new technology, and people want to use the new technology. But it, I'm wondering, after reading your book, I was left wondering: Do the boats we have are they really suited, or or how much of that the different or new or experimenting with new technology adds to the cost of the ferry system? I think it's significant. I think the uh, uh, the experiment with the jet foil some quite a few years back and then with the fast ferries like the Fairweather, uh, Seneca, I believe, uh, was... Uh, um, an addition to the subsidy, uh, significant addition to the subsidy of the ferry system due to maintenance issues and ridership, uh, that type of thing. I had ridden a couple times on the Fairweather 
grown in Juneau, and it was a kind of an amazing experience. Yeah, I, I never did I, ride I, on I the fair liked the ride. I liked the ride. I enjoyed the, the trip, of course. But uh, from what I understand, uh, the fuel costs and maintenance and so forth were really quite significant. And because they're of their fast ferry, uh, they're, they're pretty much limited to daylight hours of operation. And uh, um, the new Alaska class ferries are kind of uh, uh, a problem in regard to being day boats, so to speak. Okay. Twelve yeah. hours a day. Personally, when you look at the route of the Alaska Marine Highway System from Bellingham to Aleutian Chain and all the ports that are serviced uh, on that route, and you think, wow, 3,000 miles. Of, you know, it's hard to, uh, hard to figure out how you can service uh, a, a uh, multiple ports in 12 hours. Uh, it's part of the problem with, uh, I think originally they had it, uh, that they would be able to run one of those ships from Juneau to Haines to Skagway back to Haines to Juneau in 12 hours. Well, the Malaspina was on that run and it had service speed about three and a half knots uh, more than uh, those ships and they couldn't make it in 12 hours. And they ran into some difficulty with uh, getting as far as Skagway and back to Haines and then the crew would have to go ashore and stay in a hotel or something and, and back aboard. I don't know. It uh, doesn't seem like it was an efficient yeah. uh, situation building. So I, I kind of believe that uh, future ships, if they are forthcoming <laughs> for the ferry system, yeah. Should, have, should be able to operate 24 hours a day. Of course, I know the the impetus, one of the big impetus behind the uh, Alaska class ferries was uh, crewing. They thought they would be able to uh, more than half the crew on those ships versus, say, the Lacani or the Aurora uh, because uh, they would be day boats. Okay. And they didn't need crew quarters, and they didn't need um, a crew mess, so to speak, yeah. uh, a food service to the crew, that type of thing. And uh, I'm not sure what they're planning. I heard they may may put crew quarters and, and food service, crew food service on the on one of them. I don't know. Okay. But. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for sharing because I'm, I'm, I'm curious. What is? I mean, I don't. I have. I don't have any idea. And I feel like it's wonderful to get to pick your brain because it's <laughs> well, an issue. It's an issue in our community. It is today. an issue. It's unfortunate they didn't build that road uh, 50 miles north of Juneau and a terminal. Apparently, we were going to put in in. Uh, uh, 
to in Haynes, Eggway, so they could make that trip back and forth. But then, of course, there's 50 miles of driving yeah. uh, to get to Juneau. But uh, um, <clears throat> they never built the road. Yeah. But even at that, if they had had a ship that had the flexibility to uh, do the work of, say, a Lacani or an Aurora, uh, they would have fit uh, on occasion winter schedule or whatever. They could have used one of them to to do some of the uh, the outlying port calls type of okay. thing, you know. Yeah. But anyway, I. Uh, well, that answers my question. It was the, the 24-hour ferry. Yeah. And, and as you were talking, I, I couldn't help, oops, I couldn't help but thinking about how it, it seems pretty rare when I um, am boarding a ferry by light of day. <laughs> I mean, I feel like most of the ferries I've boarded have been at 2 in the morning or midnight. And Petersburg. Yeah. Good at that. We're... And <laughs> which is a, fine. Yeah, it's just a, the way it is. Looking at a two fifteen in the morning departure on the thirtieth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <there>. yeah. <laughs> See, you know. If you are just joining us, this is Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. I'm Kari Peterson, and today I'm talking with Homer Sarber. Homer just published a book called Achieving Buoyancy with the Alaska Marine Highway System about his 35-year career working for the Alaska Marine Highway System. He began in 1964, a year after the ferry came into being. Do you have any suggestions about how the Alaska Marine Highway System could achieve buoyancy today? Well, <laughs> um, I guess to start with is, is that the mission that created the ferry system in the first place has not diminished. Yes, and tell us that mission. You talk about it in the book, and it, you make it very clear. Yes, the mission is that the ferry system was created to provide a marine highway between Alaska ports that were inaccessible by road. And uh, that was its mission. Um, obviously... Uh, another part of its mission was to generate revenue. Yes. But to me, uh, and I think it's pretty obvious, that the Alaska Marine Highway System was never meant to pay for itself. It's not yeah. to say that the subsidy, in my opinion, could be significantly reduced, but... Um, with the amount of service that they're providing and it's necessary service. I mean, uh, the mission is even a, a, a bit more important for these outlying ports. 
yeah. because they don't have the uh, the services that uh, a Juno or a Sitka uh, or Petersburg even or Wrangell can provide to these folks like medical appointments and so forth. So it's more important for uh, the small ships. Obviously, uh, they're not going to generate revenue to the extent that they are paying for themselves, so to speak. Yeah. But that's that's not the purpose. But uh, I don't know what... Uh, it seems to be a pretty constant mantra that uh, the ferry system uh, should pay for itself or even generate revenue in excess of the cost of operating it. But uh, I think that uh, tourism, for example, has uh, uh, fallen back quite a, quite, oh, yeah. quite a bit. There's, uh, and uh, the tariffs are, I mean, it's much cheaper for a person to fly from Petersburg to Seattle than to walk aboard a ferry and go yeah. to Bellingham. And uh, uh, same for a vehicle, I guess, on AML. Yeah. And so it doesn't, uh, doesn't make sense. I mean, it's more inconvenient for people to do that. They'd rather be able to drive off the ferry with their car yeah. instead of have to go somewhere and make arrangements to go pick it up. <laughs> that type of thing. Yes. But anyway, uh, uh, it's a frustration, yeah. for me at least. Of course, I've been out of the loop for... 23 years. Yeah. <laughs> so. But you still follow the news and know what's happening. So I you're do. not entirely out of the loop. No, I do. Uh, anything anything that attracts my attention, that an editorial or an article about the Marine Highway System, I, I'm bound to read it. Yeah. Well, in your book you talked about a percentage how um, when you were talking about the mission and you were talking about 50% um, yeah, was a uh, good... The accuracy of that is, is not known to me. This is what uh, we were getting from management at the time. That, yeah. uh, that uh, Back in the day when uh, we, were, we were really uh, uh, carrying a lot of traffic. And, when it was uh, they, they were really saying working. that we were... We were uh, about taking the revenue was taken care of about fifty percent of the subsidy. Okay. Uh, and I guess now it's thirty percent or something like that. Okay. I don't. I'm not sure about that figure. Yeah. But it's less considerably less. But I. I said I give the. I give the uh, administration credit for running a ferry in in 2020, for example, during a COVID, yeah, and restricting their passenger load to 125 people, and still and, keeping and, the ferries and still still funding and running a ferry uh, 
in doing that. I mean, even the, the loads, I'm not sure, but we traveled on the Matanuska in 2020, going southbound, and uh, leaving Ketchikan, we only had 48 people aboard. And of course, um, it's low, but it's, uh, it was encouraging to me uh, that they were, were trying yeah. to provide a service under those kind of conditions. Yeah. <laughs> so was there anything that, yeah, that we didn't cover that well, you were thinking of? Obviously, this is looking into the future. Yeah. You know, some kind of a future plan for the ferry system that uh, incorporates uh, management continuity. Okay. Uh, have a director for the Alaska Marine Highway System, for example, that uh, is uh, through a resume and through a uh, interview process is uh, you develop uh, the person you want for that job. So instead of, a job description instead, instead, instead of a political instead, appointment. Instead of a political appointment. Yeah. And uh, one of the qualifications that should be included in such a person's resume and that uh, subject to an annual review, um, he would hold the job indefinitely if, uh, if the review is positive and he's doing a good job. Uh, the turnover that comes in with a uh, a political appointment is frustrating, in my opinion, relative to what they're dealing with. Uh, I think some of the issues that have come up that have been so costly could have been avoided if uh, you had that management continuity. Yeah. Um, I don't know of any transportation organization that changes uh, <laughs> their management. But yeah. now, how that could be accomplished, it's, I don't know. It might take legislation to accomplish something like that. It's funny because as you're talking about that, I'm thinking, um, I wonder who is the director or what is the system for, say, the New York subway system and what is their annual budget in comparison to what is the annual budget for the Alaska Marine Highway System yeah. and the structure of the administration. As you're talking, that these are just questions that are yeah. coming into my mind. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I think there's a connecting schedule out there that's worth investigating. 
right now we have a through schedule. Okay. In other words, the Columbia leaves, or in, in referencing the schedule in 2019, where three ships were available and were in service. The Columbia schedule was Bellingham through to Skagway. And the Kennecott schedule was Bellingham through to Whittier. Um, it's possible, it may be feasible, through a connecting schedule for the Columbia to make two round trips a week from Ketchikan to Bellingham and back. Um, it's about a 36 to 38 hour run time from Bellingham to Ketchikan, which would provide four to six hours of uh, turnaround time in Ketchikan. Um, Columbia would uh, connect with the Kennecott on one of its trips. They would carry traffic for Yakutat and Whittier and transfer the traffic from uh, to the Kennecott and Ketchikan. Uh, the overall result would be because the Kennecott would be starting its trip in Ketchikan instead of Bellingham, yeah. is they could make a round trip from Ketchikan to Whittier and back in one week instead of going all the way from Bellingham to Whittier in two weeks. And that would double the service of the Kennecott to Ketchikan to Juneau to Yakutat Whittier. And the um, Matanuska would meet the Columbia, and the same situation would happen where the Columbia would transfer traffic to the Matanuska. Yeah. And uh, Matanuska would make its trip to Wrangell, Petersburg, Juno Haynes, and Skagway, back to Ketchikan type of thing. They could do that a couple times a week. Uh, and there would be uh, <laughs> quite a bit of logistics. Yeah, it would be a lot more complicated than trying that, the reservation system. Yeah. In trying to get a passenger, for example, from Bellingham to to uh, Petersburg, Petersburg, yeah. and and cabin reservations and and so forth. Because so it wouldn't be one boat; you would have to switch but, boats. But the idea of the increase in service, you know, uh, if uh, such a thing could be done feasibly, then. Um, uh, revenue potential is increased. Uh, again, looking down the road to the future and so forth. I mean, the the frequency of service out of Bellingham would increase from three sailings every two weeks 
to four sailings every two weeks. And uh, uh, Bellingham is uh, has the most potential to generate the most traffic. Okay. And, uh, and, and Prince Rupert would have a potential to generate traffic too if they could get Prince Rupert back in the ball game. Um, and then the contract negotiations. <laughs> That's a big issue. Trying to trying to deal the, yeah. the unions and management trying to to resolve <laughs> get yes. a, get an agreement, for example, that type of thing. Uh, in the very early days of the Alaska Marine Highway System, negotiations between the unions um, were done with the Department of Transportation, Alaska Marine Highway System, and of course that's since changed and gone to the Department of Administration. But uh, it, it, in my opinion, if they were able to to have uh, uh, vessel experience and uh, what the jobs are, what they are, are about, and so forth on both sides, and so forth, that they probably have more success in reaching the agreement. I mean, management is going to try to, regardless of whether uh, the person that's, that's there is from a ship, is still going to want to make sure that things are kept under control. That's that's just me, you know, yeah. that's the way I see it, is that they're, they're in the same boat. Yeah. I mean, management and the operating crews, and, you know, they're all in the same boat. They need to make things work, and they need to... to, to but I I, uh, I think things are... The way, way the, the contract negotiations are carried out are, are uh, kind of out of sorts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else? <laughs> to find a minimum schedule, winter and summer. Okay. Year to year, year around. And, uh, and, uh, pass some legislation to make sure that schedule is carried out because what really hurts a transportation or any transportation is when system is when you you have a, a huge budget cut and the schedule goes away yeah uh, and and so forth and, and I don't know it seems seems like there needs to be more recognition about that and if and if uh, the minimum schedules are they may not be realistic, but some kind of a minimum schedule should be established. Yeah. Tariffs are too high. <laughs> <laughs> One of the factors, of course, that any transportation system has to back it up is commerce. And that's true of the Alaska Marine Highway System. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at the revenue part, you're not looking far enough. You need to look at the amount of commerce that the 
Alaska Marine Highway System generates. Um, I don't know how much that's taken into consideration as a factor, but uh, it's significant. Well, thank you for joining me today. And I, um, and so the name of the book is Achieving Buoyancy with the Alaska Marine Highway System by Homer Sarber. And you can get that book at Bloomsterhoos or at the library. And thank you so much for joining me. It's, um, I enjoyed reading your book and, and talking to you um, because I, it's such an important issue, I feel like, facing Southeast Alaska today. And, it is. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you, Carly, Yes. for uh, this opportunity to expound. Thank you for joining us. This has been Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library.